Welcome to the Eating Cast. I'm Chris. And I'm Vincent. And today we have our guest, Johnny Yoon. Hey, this is uh, Johnny, aka my guy from the Shy. So, uh, welcome well, to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. All right, so guys, what are we eating today? We got um, Lumonati's pizza, Chicago way. Yes. The deep dish way, or Chicago the deep way. dish way is a Chicago way. Well, if it ain't deep dish, it ain't pizza. That's true. No. in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, New Yorkers. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> no offense. I do. I can't even eat the pizza, man. It's gluten. I'm gluten free and yeah. dairy free. So. so, so Vince, because you are gluten free or you gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant. Oh yes. What are you eating? I just have a chicken salad. A chicken salad. It's so boring. It's okay. I can smell the pizza though. I can. I can eat off of that. He's just... gonna be salivating the entire. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> Soaking the aroma. Yeah. It's all good. All right. So, yeah, for those that don't know, Chicago is well known for their deep dish pizza. Unlike New York style pizza, which is very thin, big, and delicious. Or even, uh, I don't know other pizzas. Just like I'm sorry, man. My pizza knowledge is really small. I mean, I think normal pizza is just thin, thin crust. And then mm-hmm. deep dishes, it's literally just a pizza pie. Yep. Yeah. It's a pie. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it's from Chicago, and we're proud of it, so let's go. Let the hate come in, dude. <laughs> I don't I don't mind. Yeah. I love deep dish. But dig in. Get but to eat your own. Yes. All right. Let the grab a slice. Go ahead and grab one. Pizza. If you need to use a knife, wow. definitely use a knife. Yes. You know, cut a slice up for you. Oh, wow. It's already pre-cut? Yeah, pre-cut. Yeah. Pre-cut. Nice. I didn't want to go through the hassle of cutting it, so I got to pre-cut. But it might not be cut all the way, so you never know. You never know. I mean... These Illuminati take care of their people. That's right. Look at that. There we go, yes. Perfect. Oh, yeah, it comes right out. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. That looks so juicy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I freaking hate you guys. I wish smell vision was a thing. You know? Oh, man. What everyone's saying, you know, smell vision Oh, my God. Because this is good. You can, you know, you can see, like, the the cheese, you mm. know, like, being pulled off from the pizza. First bite, it's just melting. Yeah. Oh, first, look at this greenery. <laughs> so much green, dude. Mmm. Vincent, uh, that salad looks delicious. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Johnny, tell us a little bit about yourself, right? Like, what do you do? Where are you from? And how did you get to where you are now? All right. Um, so, I was born and raised in Chicago, in Uptown, uh, particularly, um, I grew up in, on um, Ainsley and Kenmore, yeah, which is like a block away from Argyle. Um, so Argyle, just south of Argyle, yeah, south of Argyle. And for our listener who's not familiar with Argyle, Argyle is like this uh, strip, a business strip where there's like, you know, Asian restaurants, Asian, you know, businesses, um, merch store, um, cafes. Uh, supermarket so mm-hmm. it's like a little uh, Asia town and it went through a lot of phases uh, it started out as like a new Chinatown because our original Chinatown I mean our current Chinatown which has its history um, is currently in the south side uh, but this new Chinatown that popped up it came after the old Chinatown so at one point they used to call it new Chinatown um, yeah and that, so yeah it's a it's pretty much a a place for Asian businesses mm-hmm. and uh, also just rich with Asian culture. So that's our guy. Just to reiterate, Uptown is not Chinatown. Chinatown mm-hmm. is in the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's Chinatown. This area, very diverse Asian community. Mm-hmm. A lot of Cambodians, Viets, Chinese, Laos, Laos and everything else yeah. in between. Argyle, or the people from Argyle, like, is it true in the history they got kicked out from Old Chinatown? Is um, that I wouldn't right? say that they got kicked out. I wouldn't out. say kicked out. I see. It was just, I would say it was just like um, a community, right, of Asian, uh, like um, you know, the Asians that didn't identify, that were not, you know, obviously Chinese, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to find their own community, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's how they kind of settled in Uptown. So it just over time, people when they were coming over from uh, you know from Asia, mm-hmm. they came to Chicago. And kind of just settled in Chicago. Yeah, you know? I feel like that's just what happened. Yeah. And then when they settled in Chicago, they're trying to find a community, mm. and they 
decided to choose Uptown. How mm-hmm. did it start? I actually do not know, but it'd be a really good history lesson. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can read that up. I read it in an arg- uh, article online. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, you know, he uh, saw the opportunity to to create that space or that area uh, to become what it is now with mm-hmm. Asian businesses. Uh, before, it was just like empty, vacant buildings. You mm-hmm. know, like it's it's an apartment building, but like the first level was just vacant buildings that there was no business or anything. So he... I got to find a picture. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because I have a picture uh-huh. from back then, I think from like the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, when my parents, um, first time I came into the, the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just empty lots, right? Like the parking lot that you know on um, mm-hmm. on Winthrop. Yeah. That was before it was even a parking lot, right? Like we all know, like up to now, it's like it was an empty lot, right? It was like just dirt, nothing mm-hmm. there. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, so back to my biography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much uh, grew grew up near Argyle, which exposed me to like the Asian community. Well, like Chris was saying. Um, uh, my parents came in like the 80s a time where um, we came because of like the, the war that was in Cambodia um, the war ended when we came but um, so my parents so a little history of Cambodia so um, Cambodia was uh, was going through like um, like a, I guess it was like um, going through a war where people had to escape the war uh, from 1975 to 1979 there was like a a communist regime that took over the country mm-hmm. so people fled for their lives uh, and then my parents fled to Thailand and stayed at the refugee border uh, not the refugee but the refugee camp mm-hmm. at the Thailand border so uh, they stayed there for a while um, waited for sponsorship to come to America because their homes were destroyed they didn't have anything to go back to after the war ended in 1979 so they just stayed in the camp for like a couple years uh, next thing you know, they got sponsored, and then mm-hmm. we ended up here in America. Um, I was actually born here a year after they came, mm-hmm. so I didn't go through, you know, I didn't have to go through, like, uh, immigration or trying to get my um, green card or anything like that. Um, I was just born a U.S. citizen. Um, but I definitely felt the, the after effect of them trying to relocate, trying mm-hmm. to settle here in America. Uh, we stayed in, like... Um, uh, I wouldn't say like the project, but like we stayed in an area where it wasn't the best area to live. Like, um, the buildings weren't the best. Um, the neighborhood weren't wasn't the safest neighborhood to stay in. Um, and this is speaking about like Argyle. Um, it was uh growing up uh in the eighties and nineties. Uh, Argyle was way more diverse than what it is now. There was more people of color. There were like, mm-hmm. um. Indians, there were um, Hispanic, Latinx, uh, there were um, uh, Chinese, Vietnamese uh, that stayed in our area. I, I remember bumping into like a Native American kid uh, growing up, you know, so it's very diverse. Uh, it, it was a predominantly black neighborhood at one point. I mean, for me, at least growing up, that's, that's what I saw. I saw an area was like predominantly black um, and like it was a struggle growing up in that neighborhood because uh, we were minorities you know, uh, mm-hmm. in that area. So, uh, growing up in Arga and uh, Uptown, uh, growing up in Uptown, it was a struggle. Like, just I think it was just like being trying to grow up and um, trying to discover who I am. Cause my parents didn't really talk about like being Cambodian. They'll like will uh, go day to day living it. Mm-hmm. You know, like eating rice. Um, eating Cambodian food, um, going to the temple, uh, speaking Khmer, which is our language, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. But like at the same time, I didn't really feel Cambodian. Mm-hmm. I, I was like this kid who was born in the U.S., uh, grew up watching like Sesame Street. That's how I learned to speak English is mostly watching like TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so then do you feel like um, kind of like at least early on, right, in mm-hmm. your childhood, did you feel like you were at a loss for an identity? Right, where you're like unsure uh, about if you were Cambodian or mm. if you were American or like you know where you stand now. Yeah, uh, I think growing up as a kid, let's say five years old, 
I didn't really question my identity. I was just a kid. I was like, yo, I want to play. I want to watch cartoon. I want to play video games. I want to go hang out with my friends. It, I didn't really look into like um, ethnicity, race, mm-hmm. culture, or anything like that. Um, I didn't really question it until like going into my teenage years because I feel so disconnected. Because I, uh, I started um, interacting with people from all walks of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're Americans, whether they're um, immigrants, or like just, you know, like it was just, uh, it was so, like people, all, I think in that age, I was exposed to people that always mentioned race and identity. It's like, oh, look at that black kid, how he could play basketball well, or look at that Chinese kid uh, who's good at math, right? You hear race thrown around all the time. So so now I'm questioning like, yo, what am I then? Like I'm Cambodian, but I don't really feel Cambodian because I don't speak Cambodian that well. Um, I don't really, um, I guess do Cambodian stuff. And mm-hmm. I put that in air quote for people listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I love eating Cambodian food, but like that's not all I eat. I eat like food that we eat here, like burgers and fries yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Pizza, I'm having pizza <laughs> right now. Well, this pizza. But I guess like yeah. kind of that goes in this like um that primarily goes into like you know what is it what does it mean right to be like Cambodian right or like yeah. even for us right what does it mean to be Chinese right yeah. like in all honesty yeah. We're still trying I, to figure that out. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, culturally, yeah. I am Chinese, right? Right. But, like, I was born in America, right? So, it's like, I have all these, like, American influences, right? But mm. at the same time, it's like, we do go to, like, you know, or my family went to Temple, and I went to mm. Temple when I was a little kid, yeah. and they, my family all converted to, like, you know, Christianity or whatever. Yeah. And... I guess yeah I went as a kid too right mm. you know it's, and and from there also like going to like um just paying your respects right at the cemetery right to your um, ancestors you know your grandparents your great grandparents and stuff like that we did all that stuff right we, we went there to pray we burned the, the Asian stuff right like we burned incense we burned paper money mm. we burned literally like cardboard everything like a cardboard house a cardboard suit a cardboard like phone right it's like mm. oh yeah you know they're gonna have everything it was like just like a farewell movie you saw him burning like yeah. the iPad <laughs> yeah. yeah it was like a cardboard full of different pictures yeah. and like oh spoiler oh, actually, yeah. oh shoot <laughs> yeah don't but for those that didn't watch it yet yeah. it's a really good movie yes definitely farewell star Akafina written by um, Lulu Wang mm-hmm. yes definitely mm-hmm. check it out when you get the chance um, true story I got a true story if you watch it true yeah. story but um, as Chris was saying, like, culturally, like, pe- we burn those things because we believe, like, the uh, spirits will get those um, goods yeah. in, in the other in the realm. afterlife. In the afterlife, mm-hmm. yeah. And when they're living there, it's to help. It's, it's like creature comforts, right, of life. It's to kind of help them stay up to date with technology mm-hmm. and whatnot and kind of live a more comfortable life, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of like what the, I guess... I would say a lot of Asian communities actually, like Asian, like Asian in the broad spectrum, right? Like Chinese, Viet, yeah. uh, Cambodian, Thai, um, and whatnot. They have that kind of sense, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Is that do you guys have that same yeah, thing? We, yeah, we 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 descend. We have an offering. Um, yeah. Um, I I don't think I've seen us like burn stuff but we'll put like fruit and stuff mm-hmm. oh yeah that at the altar I think yeah. a lot of Asian I mean a lot of yeah. not just Asian but like a lot of culture does that they they off, like, have offerings Offering to their ancestor man when I die give me pizza I think I can eat it in the afterlife <laughs> you want me to give you a pizza when you die yeah homie I think I'm gonna die before you <laughs> <laughs> shit Who's the one eating this stuff right now, man? <laughs> you are true. I'm being healthy right now. You're eating a salad with chicken. So then when you pass away, I'll give you a salad. <laughs> Why would you do that? I'm, I'm, looking up I'm looking up for you. I'm already dead. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> Maybe it'll Just give me everything. <laughs> bring it back to life. Yeah, right? <laughs> Maybe. Mm. But yeah. Uh, how, how large is the, um, the Cambodian community in Chicago? Mm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, like... Which is like a lot of you guys or kind of like mm. a smaller group? I could say growing up, I saw a lot of Cambodian. Mm-hmm. Like in the area I stayed in, they were just like, so 
there were these buildings that were connected, um, three four buildings, and like it was filled with Cambodians. I think because um, the rent was cheap, and the landlord, um, very cool guy. Uh, I forgot his name. I was so young, but like, like everyone in the building knew who he was. Like the 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 parents, like they knew, like oh yeah, that's our landlord. He's very nice, and he took care of you know, um, like our people. Like I I. I'm not sure exactly, but I feel like he only rented it to like people who couldn't afford like mm. you know housing. But so then that's a lot. A lot of Cambodians that mm. ended up staying there. Uh, plus back then rent was a lot lower in uptown. Oh, yeah. We were paying like four fifty for a three bedroom. Um, I miss those days. Yeah, <laughs> that was uptown rent. Uh, for y'all, can we just, go, uh, uh, can we just rewind like um, right? <laughs> inflation back to like when it was. Or, you said 350? Like, 450? 450, 450, 450 for, for three bedroom. bedroom. Yeah. Remember four bags of chips were 25 cents? Each. Yeah. yeah, it was something. You know what I need though? Like in all honesty, like you know, this is probably my Chicago side kicking out of me right now. I have not had like Vintners Crunchy Curls in the longest time. Is that the nugget thing? In no, the no, 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 no. Bag? It's the so, fries, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, Flame Hot Cheetos, but like way hotter and way oh. cheesier. Oh, I, I, I have a red bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yellow bag. bag. Red. Oh, red. Sorry. I haven't had it in so long. Hmm. And I've been trying to, like, recently, I've been trying to find, find like, where you can buy them. Oh, I'm thinking about fries. Yeah, think about fries. The yellow bag. Fries, mm. yeah. That's also fire. Yeah, you just don't see those. Wait, is that even around anymore? I think the fries. I think it's yeah. still around. The fries. But I know Vinner is still around because I don't know if they're still making like these crunchy girls, man. Because like, dude, that's the shit. Yeah, it was. Vinners, where you at? Sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, so Johnny, tell us a little bit about your. I know you're part of the uh, Asian Creative Network. Is that right? Did I say right? No, C A N. Chicago Asian Chicago Network. Asian, yeah. I was thinking of the page. Mm. So Chicago Asian Network, what are you trying to do with that? How what did you find about? your opportunity? Yeah, what, what are they about? That's that's your platform. I right, started listening. I'm, I'm chewing. That's why oh, <laughs> it's taking a while. A little bit of ASMR here. Um, with the chewing. Some <laughs> listeners like that. They like the crunch. They like that crunch. Well, he's got the crunch. We got the... <laughs> the yeah. The, the chewiness. Yeah. The gum. Yeah. Uh, so Chicago Agent Network is uh, it, it's a company here in Chicago that aims to provide um, like a platform. Well, not like a platform. We aim to provide a platform for the community, uh, providing like resources, um, and that's through uh, our connections, uh, our connection with like companies and stuff okay. like that, uh, like uh, people that are sponsors that would sponsor like. Um, events or um, community organization and whatnot um, so we aim to use that connection and share that with uh, the community um, whether okay. it's for cultural events or for education um, yeah we, we aim to do that um, but also um, capturing the Asian community in Chicago which uh, when I say capture is like telling stories of like uh, restaurants owner or artist musician um, other you know stories that you probably wouldn't uh, be exposed to uh, due to like uh, them keeping low profile or uh, I mean when they keep low profile it's a, I feel like at times it's an honorable thing because these are humble people that are just doing it you know because of their passion mm-hmm. uh, but we aim to do that uh, we aim to like uh, share with the world, the story of Asians in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and my role at Chicago Asian Network is uh, I, I am the social media manager. Because um, uh, I think, uh, so I recently joined the team, um, I think because, uh, well, the story on how I joined the team is um, the, the founder, Lucky he saw what I was doing on social media. So I, you know, post stuff on my Instagram, Facebook. I would just uh, post stuff about me going around Chicago, like eating at certain places, uh, being at certain community events, or also just like fun stuff, like at concerts and whatnot. Um, So he saw that, he's like, yo, uh, we could really use you on our team for someone, uh, we could really use someone who's all about like, 
community, but also uh, knowing how to like be out there and show people how to have a good time, right? So, and that's how, you know, and it, for me, it was an honor to, to have uh, an organization, uh, you know, ask me to be part of the team because Chicago Asian Network has been around for a long time. I believe like 10 years uh, just you oh, know wow. doing what they do yeah they've been around for a while and just capturing you know they were they've been capturing like asian you know in news for a while um and i think you know like for me it's like yo it's something that i already do for fun like yeah. being on my social media being on my instagram and things like that it's like yo why not you know sh- you know share my 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 talent and skill with yeah. an org that you know has a great vision of like you know uplifting the community mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's my part um but i think for me i i would love to see chicago asian network uh offer another form of medium of sharing news because currently we we post stuff on our our instagram and facebook uh like sharing events and stuff like that and we also on our website uh at chicago asian uh, we uh, have articles and posts where we, you know, like write up about like you know people in the community, events in the community, things like that. Um, it's still only one form of medium. Like I think articles are legit still. Like I still believe it's a great source, right, to read stuff. Uh, but at the same time, for me, I I've always been about video. Like I love you know recording. I love editing. I just love capturing moments through motion picture. Right, right. Right? So that's why I was like, yo, let's add something to our work. So so that's why I proposed to Chicago Asian Network, like, let's step it up. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the process of, like, setting up our video studio uh, at our headquarter. Uh, we have an office here in Chicago. Um, it's it, it's like an, it's just an empty space right now, but hopefully we'll look into, like, funding so that way we can get like equipment and costs of operation, you know, running the lights and people working the camera and whatnot, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll have the studio uh, up and running so that way we can capture these stories with footage and film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have people, you know, like interview folks. The same thing we do at eating, you know, the eating cast, right? That's right. Um, and we'll You're definitely here, put, put them on, you know, we'll yeah. definitely put you guys on. Um, <laughs> but it's all about like giving back to the community. Yeah. Um, sharing these stories and hopefully uh, it inspires others to tell their story yeah so if we backtrack a little bit like um, kind of like going back to how we were talking you were talking about um, you know the older Asian groups right like the ones that kind of are the ones that had these restaurants that had these businesses you know in Chicago right in uptown I'm kind of hearing their story it's actually <clears throat> interesting that you say that right because like these are the same individuals, right, that kind of came here to escape, whether it's poverty, war, you know, and all that stuff back in Asia to kind of create a safe haven for their own family, right? Like, I think we're pretty much all, like, you know, results of that, right, more or less. You know, like, for instance, like, my family came here from China, um, and we established a a restaurant in uh, Argyle, right? And it's Hanki. For those that are that know, they know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we you know, we established that restaurant in Uptown, and you know, it's been going ever since, right? And just kind of wishing that, um, you know, like my grandparents were still around, or my grandpa was still around, right? They really hear the story of his journey, right, from his own mouth, right? Because all I really know is just kind of stories from, like, my dad and my uncle about how he came here and how he became who he was. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's cool and all, but at the same time, it's like I would I would much rather, hear, like, hear that from himself, you know? Yeah. That's, that's like when we were talking with Randy in our um, previous episode, um, how, like, stories shouldn't stay in, like, our ashes and bones. Yeah. Like, we should, we should be able to have, like, a safe space, like, a type of platform to share a story... So then, like, the future generations would know, which, you know, is so important because it's really, it's part of your identity, mm-hmm. almost. It's your, I don't know, like, a, they would say, like, family treasure, almost. Um, family heirloom. Fam- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't go that far, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then not only it's does it... It's a piece it, of your history, right? Your family history. Yeah. And not only does it, like, 
um, because it's related to you directly, your story affects the people who are um, in your culture as well. You know what I mean? Like it just affects everyone around you. Like, like let's say I have a st- like I have a story about my my grandparents coming here, blah blah blah. Not related to you, right, or you, but because they had the same experiences, it's instant relation. Like you, yeah. you get it, you connect it. You know. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. and. I think that kind of leads to what I want to talk about now is how can we future proof that and future proof the generations after us, you know? Yeah. So that's actually a good yeah. question, right? Like, because future proofing the, the generation that's to come, or even just kind of like helping those that are still in our generation, right? That's still trying to figure out their own path. Right, giving them like a roadmap of like what to do and what to expect with like within society, right? Mm-hmm. In, in a nutshell, yeah. it's very important, right? Because like a lot of these people are kind of like going through what we're going through right now, right? It's like we're not necessarily lost, but we're in a time where it's difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And to like really just kind of like do what you want to do, right? Find your passion and kind of follow that route, mm-hmm. just because like our parents still have like a say well not really like a say but like you know they want you to do something safe right they don't want you to go through the struggles that they went through yeah hence why a lot of them they'll say oh just find a safe job right just go into account- like be an accountant or like a lawyer or something like that right along those lines yeah <clears throat> safe and not not like a cop or anything like that you know I have a lot of friends that are cops but yeah it's like kind of interesting how we go through these uh, trials, right? Yeah. yeah, I think um, with stories like you know our parents struggle, you know, or like the hardship that they went through to get here. I think um, those stuff gets lost, and uh, I think you know, like for them, they're probably used to um, hearing stories through like you know what actually someone in person telling it uh, but we do live in a, in a day and age where we can record stuff uh, mm-hmm. we, you know whether it's writing whether it's you know video um, even sound right like we have the technology we have uh, uh, I think you know for us like um, it's something that we um, grown accustomed to mm-hmm. like like nowadays everyone has a phone and you can record video or sound with a phone now uh, but our parents you know they can't they, they didn't grow up with that they didn't grow up like in the, in the digital era like us um, and like uh, so it wasn't something that they can casually do like you know sitting in front of a camera speaking to it and things mm-hmm. like that um, I think as for us for a generation that is uh, accustomed to it like use that technology and you know and I think one thing that we have to speaking about that though <laughs> my mind chiming in yeah What's scary, right, is, like, so I have, um, yeah, like, so a lot of my cousins now, right, they have kids and stuff like that, and I kid you not, right, these kids that are, like, four, five, six, you know, they can use, like, your phone, laptops, tablets, and everything like that, like, way better than I can, right? (laughs) I would say I'm, like, you know, tech savvy, but I'm not, like... (laughs) To the point where they're like, they're like, oh, you know, we're freaking four, five, six, right? And I'm able to do all this stuff. When I was four, five, six, I was still trying to figure out how to ride a fucking bike, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, these guys are crazy. Yeah, I was trying to like color in the lines. Exactly, <laughs> dude. Bro, Coloring books, books, bro. Man. I was still playing Foursquare. <laughs> Y'all remember Foursquare? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like it's crazy. This generation is like so, you know, like they're growing up with these technology, and like mm-hmm. for me, like. I wasn't really good at like selfies and stuff, but my niece and nephew, like one's eight and the other one's like four, this and they're so good. Yet, at, I mean, like they're so good at it, you know. So they were like, well, uh, to to be clear, they don't have their own phone, mm-hmm. but they have their parents' phone. So they would take their parents' phone, play games on it and whatnot, and they would take the selfie. And then I would see my niece do it. I was like, what are you doing? You know, like Actually, I mean, I know what a selfie right. is. I know what a selfie is, but like. I'm like, wait a minute, this eight-year-old is taking a selfie, and she's, like, so smooth with it. I was right. like, what? You, you, you know? You're right, you're right. right? I, yeah, crazy. now that I think about it, you're right. Because I remember a few years ago when I lost my phone, I had to use my, um, 
my stepmom's phone, mm-hmm. right? Because she wasn't using it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was using her phone, and like within it, there were like literally tons, <laughs> and I mean tons yeah. of selfies that all my little sisters took. And I'm like, dude, this is wild. Yeah, so it's those, just for weird. those that don't know, my yeah. sisters and me have like me and the oldest one. We have about a, I think it's. So she just turned eighteen. No, she's nineteen now. I'm 27. We're about like a eight year gap. Okay. Right? Is that like an eight year gap? Ten year gap? I think it's ten. Yeah, like ten. Around there. I can't math right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah. So it's a pretty big gap. And yeah, just I mean, seeing the like them use the cameras like that or the phones like that. When they were still really young, it's like, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I think we just don't give, like, young people enough credit, you know, like, because, you know, I mean, for me growing up, you know, it's like, the way elders were talking to us, like, oh, you're still young, you don't know any better, and things like that. But, like, as I watched my niece and nephew grow up, I'm like, yo, they're super smart. I'm like, yo, and I would, like, praise them. I was like, yo, you guys know what you guys are doing, right? So, um, that's why, like, I... That's why I really um, respect the younger generation, the one after. See, me. I feel like that's also kind of the their their benefit, right? And kind of like going full circle to like how we, you know, future proofing our the future generation is gonna be, right? I feel like it's just gonna be actually like having videos, more or less, right, mm. that are easily accessible. Because mm. the reason why you know, your nieces and nephews and my, like, little sisters and everyone else that's younger than us that are kids right now, right? Mm-hmm. The reason that they're able to, like, understand and grasp technology so fast and so rapidly, I feel like, is because of how much information they have access to, mm-hmm. right? Because they have access to a crap ton of information in that palm of their hands. Mm-hmm. Like, YouTube alone, you can learn about history. Anything. Learn about war. Chemistry. Chemistry, math, a pipe. physics, <laughs> fixing a pipe, like fixing a pipe. <laughs> how to be a comedian? How to podcast? How to how to podcast? <laughs> That's not where we did it. We how to cook certain food? <laughs> you know? But yeah, no, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, how to everything. cook certain foods, right? Yeah. And even like just digital arts, right? Understanding how to video edit, how to what call it, photo edit, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like all these tools are there at mm-hmm. our fingertips, and they're the ones that are really using it to its full potential. Mm-hmm. Which is why I feel like internet, the internet, right? The access to all this information for the future generation, right? It's like it's literally in their hands and the future of like universities. I'm not saying it's going to happen, right? But like it's just my own prediction. Like the futures of like universities are going to like kind of go down the shitter, right? Because if you have access to all this information, granted, you know, people are going to be posting fake information and stuff like that. But more or less, you're gonna find the real stuff. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, you have so much time. Yeah. Chemistry can only go one way and one way only. Yeah. <laughs> At least that we know about. <laughs> yeah. Same with physics. Yeah. And math. You know. And it's also like, like the the old heads now too, like in the social media realm, like they have everything all set and they're like on the new and better things for themselves, like for their own companies, whatever, right? Mm. Like. And then now, because their stuff's already up there, the new kids, like you mentioned, Chris, like they're learning. How to use it and then the, the new wave of kids are coming on down the block and so because of them we kind of need to praise them more or you know even like us we need to be praised more and rely on us to carry that platform because I feel like if we don't do it no one else will or even if they are doing it I mean the more if merrier, we don't do it someone else is gonna do it mm-hmm. well that too <laughs> but that too but like the more the merrier too you know yeah definitely yeah and if either let's say like Let's say we're group A and then group B is doing it. If group B blows up and we don't, at least they blew up yeah. and they're carrying the torch. And then if we yeah. come, it doesn't even matter where we come, yeah. second or not. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's just also like about keeping up with the time too. Yeah, like uh, technology is always advancing, and if you don't move with it, you're you know you're gonna be behind and you're not gonna Left be the, yeah. up date yeah. up to date on what's happening too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just receiving information, like yeah. people receive information differently now. Before it was the newspaper, right? You got to read, you know, like before newspaper were like a brick high, you know, like so thick, right? 
I'm exaggerating, but like, but now it's like, boxes. extra, extra, read all about yeah. it. There used to be so many pages, but now, like, if you look at like the Sun Time, I don't know if they're still around, like, still around. and stuff like that. Yeah, like, they're so thin now, they're like they're magazine. Not, they're, they're still like, but they're, they're, not, not, they're not hefty like yeah. they used to be, yeah, like, like in the 90s, mm-hmm. and from what I remember, like, that was my era, like, yeah, yeah but in the 90s, they were like hefty, yeah. but they're still decent. Yeah, I know the red eye's still around too, mm-hmm. but the red eye is really thin, yeah, but even like, just. Like numbers of readers re- went down drastically once like people start going through the internet uh, for news and information. Um, I I mean kids nowadays don't even read the paper or magazine or anything. That's like I remember like source. I never touched a newspaper unless it was like for um, my history class mm-hmm. or like you know those whatever you call it, those social studies classes yeah. where we had like a little section of current events every Friday. Mm. And we have to bring in a newspaper snippet about something that's happening in the in either locally or nation uh, nationally or like around the world. It's a dying art. It is a dying <laughs> art. Yeah. But I mean, it sucks to suck. But like, I mean, time is going this way. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like here's the thing though, right? It's like not like it's not like news articles are gonna disappear, mm-hmm. right? The newspaper, like the physical newspaper, might in time disappear. Just because of you know, being more green, and as technology is advancing, um, but yeah, like the news and like you know all these articles will just be online, right? There's probably going to be like online bulletins or online newspaper. Like I mean, newspapers are already online, right? You can get you can get access to it online, but they're probably going to be in that platform in the future, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like. Oh, would you like to subscribe to like the Chicago Sun Time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like subscribe. Like it'll be the same thing instead of having a physical like yeah, uh, a physical newspaper, right? You're gonna get like like a email notification, right? And mm-hmm. then you open the email, and then it's the entire daily news, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, we have YouTube channels reporting news too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, a lot of news stations like um like, I mean, not saying that they're dying or anything like that, but like. They all spot their own stuff, right? Just due to their own, you know, beliefs, yeah. right? And their own, their own, uh, let's call it, individual, like, political beliefs. They'll swing one way mm. and another way. Yeah. And likewise, so will these, um, you know, YouTube channels, right? That that uh, kind of give us the news. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I think that's why it's important to, like, um, like teach folks to think for themselves because there's so many information out there there could be misleading information um, oh, and like oh yeah and um, I think that's where like I um, I think I think working with Chicago Asian Network like we want to be the one to tell, to tell those stories because if we don't tell them somebody else will and right. they'll, they'll just like uh, you know skew the truth yeah they'll like dilute the truth and whatnot and they'll I mean I feel like it's going to happen no matter what yeah right because like it's still Unless you're there, the news that you're kind of reporting yeah. is just going to be he said, she said. Yeah. Unless you're actually there. Yeah. Uh, I think, but when you have someone who's telling their story, like yeah. their upbringing and stuff like that. Yeah, that's different. You that's can't different. really say yeah. it's not true. Like, oh, like they lived through it, you know. Yeah. Um, that's different, though. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. And, and then that's our thing, you know, like, what does it mean to be a Cambodian American growing up in Chicago, right? Like, yeah. they could be like, oh, because, I mean, uh, Cambodians are uh no, statistically we have really high uh high school dropout rate like super why, high why is that uh, i think it's it it's because of like the trauma from the war um affecting our parents and then they pass that trauma on to uh the, their kids mm. so now their kids can't focus in school um they're traumatized uh, going to school whether being bullied or cultural differences uh struggling to like connect with the teachers and their peers, right? So now they're distancing, like they're not in an environment where they're like uh, themselves or or can even like manage or process like information or yeah. learn, right? So now like they they find themselves more connected to like uh, our peers, other Cambodians who have found a different outlet. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, speaking from like experience and what I've seen with my among my peers. Like we tend to to lean on each other because we went through the same struggle. Like, yo, I I don't get my parents. Um, I don't get I don't fit in at school. So all I have is like my friends or my 
my cousin and whatnot, and we were highly influenced by like the streets. Uh, we grew up in uptown Chicago, where at one point it was very violent. Like you couldn't step down the block without someone harassing you yeah. uh, to see if you're a gang member or not. Yep. So like, um, like for us, it's like yo, like we gotta do something to protect ourselves, right? So these are the groups mm-hmm. I roll with. It's like yo, we need to defend ourselves yeah. um, and things like that. So now uh, we can't do school, right. like right? We like oh you know I don't want to do school I got this this lifestyle yeah. I have friends that I can lean on and quote unquote you become your own gang almost. yeah because you're just trying to defend yourself yeah so now like we're caught up in this um, lifestyle where uh, it it's it's something that is very destructive yeah. um, and it's something that we uh, we we find that it's shaping our identity it's like yo this is the life I'm gonna be this is who I am and and whatnot so now like we don't want to go to school we want to just live life as it is and whatnot uh so i mean i can't speak for all cambodians who drop out of uh high school i don't know their story but at the same time i do know for me at least the mental state that i went through i i finished high school i went to college but i struggled in high, in high school like i couldn't i you know i love to read I can do the assignment and things like that, but it's just like emotionally, I can't be in that space right. surrounding, you know, with other people, uh, dealing with like, um, like social norm, like um, going to prom or uh, asking a girl out on a date, right? Those are stuff that I was struggling with. Yeah. So I couldn't be in, in that environment, like in the school environment. Mm-hmm. So, but I felt comfortable among my peers, right. uh, you know, kicking back uh, on the porch or um, getting high you know outside things right. like that right so that became our lifestyle so now it's like oh I don't want to do school now but like school was always um, like something that our parents push us to do because uh, they in their in their mind it's like yo this is the way to get out of the ghetto out of the hood uh, so like but at the same time we barely connected with our parents you know one thing they is the language barrier because we mostly spoke English and they mostly spoke Cambodian uh, Khmer which is the language and then now it's like oh you know like if you know and our parents never went to uh not all parents but uh so what with a parent that didn't go through the american education system right they don't know uh what it's like to to be in school where you get picked on for for being different for being you know minority probably like being one of the only cambodian person in your class and now you're getting picked on right uh being bullied um and then so now it's like oh like so, so to them, it's just like, you know, do school, you know, like, why are you causing us trouble and things like yeah. that? Yeah, so like the peer pressure of like honoring your family, right? Yeah, yeah. That drove us away. It's like, yo, I can't live up to it. And then they ended up like dropping out. Mm. So what, what kind of, um, like, so you, earlier you said trauma, the, your parents would bring, the parents would bring trauma to their children as well. Mm-hmm. What kind of trauma was that? Like, I know like from uh, the war, right? Yeah. Or that, the yeah. violence over there. Mm-hmm. But what specifically did they bring home? I think, um, so growing up, my mom would tell a story about, like, her uh, surviving the war, living in the concentration camp, um, and and also surviving, like, the jungle where they had to escape from, like, um, the military and whatnot. Uh, and my mom definitely saw, like, you know, people dying, uh, even children dying. My mom talks about it, like pe- like, children getting sick, elders getting sick. Um, or like um, she she wasn't like into details but like she would talk about like people being killed and stuff and she's witnessed it you know like and she was young she was like a teenager seeing all this that does a lot and that's traumatic as heck for yeah. a teenager to see yeah. right so uh, my mom would like have episodes sometimes at home like growing up I remember um, like and I'm not trying to you know, I love my mom I'm not trying to like uh, accuse her of like anything you know or wrongdoing or whatnot um but like i feel like at times where my mom would like uh take out anger on me mm-hmm. as a kid you know like so here's the thing it's like yeah. um that's just like a microaggression i think one thing like within the asian community mm-hmm. that we do definitely lack an understanding in is actually mental health because a lot of these individuals right a lot of our the older generation you know, that came here, that fought in the wars, that were kids that survived horrendous, you know, that survived horrendous um, episodes, right? Like, for instance, like your, your mother, right, who was in a concentration camp, 
survive the war with moving from one camp to another camp, watching friends, family die. What they don't, I mean, it's not saying that they don't understand it. It's just like going through these traumatic events as a kid or even just as a human being, right? They affect your mental health to the point where it's, it, it can break you, right? More or less. And nowadays we're more aware of it. But the thing is, the older generation like them, they don't understand that. So what they carry and what they see as like mental, like just like, you no, know, just individual solitude or just like being strong, right? And they have to save face and be strong for their family. It's not a weakness, you know, it's like, it's a trauma. You know, everyone suffers from some type of traumatic trauma, especially them, you know, surviving these situations and then coming here to kind of like America or even like you know, elsewhere, right, to escape and learn a new language, right? To create a new home for your family or your family to be. It's hard, you know, because all they do is work and struggle. Just like they have been for their entire lives. Right? And that puts a enormous amount of stress on these individuals, right? And the thing is, when they have these outbursts, it's like, you know... Who's, like you can't really blame them, mm-hmm. you know, and like I kind of came to terms that it's like it's it is what it is, right? It's like it's gonna be like that, yeah. and all you can do is just kind of accept it and kind of cope with them yeah. through all this pain that they're going through. Yeah, yeah, I think um, you know, like that that is something that we uh, understand as we get older. But imagine like a kid mm-hmm. having to deal with a parent that's going through it, right? I, I, I like, agree. We didn't, like I agree. we just don't know what's going on. We're just like on the receiving end mm-hmm. of like you know abuse and whatnot because mm-hmm. of you know their like the parents' mental health. Um, I think for me, it's like I didn't understand it until I got older. Mm-hmm. Like when I was like, um, I think mostly after high school. That's when I started digging. I was like, yo, why is my parents a certain way? Like, why is my mom you know angry all the time and things like that. Um, the more I understand history, like the more I understood my parents and my identity as a Cambodian American mm-hmm. person, like, like trauma is something that we inherited. Yep. Um, like it's something that, um, but at the same time, I feel like it's something that makes sense. Like I know, like for me, it's like, I, it, it made me, it actually forced me to explore my identity. If it wasn't for trauma, I would have been comfortable like, oh, I'm just some kid, you know, like living the life and whatnot. But because of that, I was like, yo, I want to learn more. And I started, uh, you know, doing stuff like creativity, like creative wise, like making art. Uh, I wrote a lot. I wrote like in, I had a journal entry where mm-hmm. I just like um, keep an entry of like, you know, my day and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. That's like, that was my, my blog, you know, my blog. Um, yeah. You also did um, for real, I think you uh, you said earlier you did um, some rap. Oh Is that yeah, also like another medium outlet for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Express so yourself. I I got into hip hop. Um, I don't know before like my teenage years. Mm-hmm. So my brother, uh, I had an older brother, and he one day brought this tape because we had cassette tape back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember those. Yeah. So he brought us uh, and he played it at the house. He wanted to bump this music. Um, and like, it's something that was new to us too, like the community. Uh, so it was at home and then my brother played Tupac. All eyes mm. on me. I remember it clearly because that was like the line that he opened up was like, uh, I forgot what he said, but then it's, he kept repeating "All Eyes on Me," you know, to this like very dope beat. Yeah. And like as a kid, I was like, "What kind of music is this?" You know. Yeah. So that's that's my uh, introduction to hip hop. It was like Tupac, and next thing you know, I started like listening to other things, and I listened to like Bone Thugs and Harmony. Um, I was also in like the era where like hip hop became flashy with like Puff Daddy, who is now P Diddy, um, Mace, you know, his partner. Uh, and then there's, you know, exposed that I think even TLC had a little hip hop in them, you know, left eye with the flow, right? Yeah. Um, so like, that's when I was like, yo, this is something that I like. I like the sound. I like how they are, uh, doing these things with words. You know, they, they had bars yeah. and I was like, yo, that's dope how they, you know, create music like that. So that's when, so I picked up the, uh, the sound of hip hop at a young age, but I didn't start writing until I was like in my teenage years. That's when I was going through a lot of struggles. So 
Um, so just to bring it back just a little bit, um, when I play Tupac songs, I would like rap with him. It's like, yo. So I, I was learning how to spit now, and Tupac was my teacher, mm. right? So he's teaching me how to rap. And then next thing you know, I was like, yo, I want to tell my story through rap. So that's when I started uh, putting my story into lyrics. Mm-hmm. And then I started writing just lyrics for fun. And then it's like, yo, I need a beat now. So I started out with like taking karaoke beats, like you know they have like instrumental with, like tracks on a. So to to our listeners, uh, if you guys uh, are around when cassette was around, um, there's like a side A and side B. So side yeah, A yeah, yeah. is usually like the song, and then side B is the instrumental. Yeah. So what I would do is rap over the instrumental to like Tupac's. Uh, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that's and then fire. I I used I just wrote my own lyrics. <clears throat> Next thing you know, I started. Um, so that's when I. Technology was starting to advance a little bit more, and sounds were moving from analog to like digital. So uh, I would use like computer software yeah. to record now. So now my song is like an MP3 track now, mm-hmm. and I would like you know, and I would like try to figure out like to to mix tracks, and I also wanted like my own beat. So I started yeah. making my own beats and things like that. So I was able to. I was experimenting. I use Fruity Loop. <laughs> um, another plugin uh, but a lot of people I was used that had, so long yeah they had access to it so we were able to make our own beats and I was able to put together like my own album um, my my album was actually like more like a mixtape it was like a collection of like songs that I put out within like seven years um, and then but I would talk about like you know growing up being um, Cambodian living in Chicago also like my mental state what I was going through depression anger and things like that all in that song but I was also talking about like pleasant things I was talking yeah. about like love and you know um, just having fun with my friends and things like that but I use it as an outlet yeah I use that outlet to express myself yeah there's pretty so, much there's so many things that like going back to the um, how trauma shapes us right yeah. I hate that so for me like sometimes I do things and I justify it and I say oh I'm hard because the trauma made me this way like, <laughs> no. that's why but then, that's then dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> but then, then I'm like, I, I own, I then I like for some reason I, I give that honor to trauma. Mm-hmm. But then, if we as um, in the Asian community, if we learned to um, cope better with our emotions mm-hmm. and all that stuff and our mental health, then I feel like we could do a better job in preserving history, yeah. passing down history, yeah. traditions without having that trauma. Yeah. I agree. But trauma has history in and of itself uh-huh. and like it's that's the hard part yeah. it's crazy like um i think for me like so i am in like community space a lot where it's like uh people talk about trauma and stuff like that i really didn't see myself as someone with trauma until like later like um, like yeah like uh mostly through college like my college years that's when that's the space i was it was during that time i was supposed to the space of like people speaking about trauma and things like that mental health and like, I think it was like self-diagnosed. It's like, yo, I have trauma. I have a mental illness, right? Um, and like, I think sometimes we use that as excuse to like push ourselves. It's like, yo, I gotta overcome this trauma. Uh, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Uh, but at the same time, like, as I got older, I I really, uh, I guess I overcame my trauma, and it doesn't become something that drives me anymore. Mm-hmm. I, what drives me more is love now, like love for my people, community. Um, and myself yeah right uh, there's trauma behind it but at the same time like that's not my source of like energy anymore yeah. Um, yeah. I do it because like like for can I do it because like, I want to give to the community and that's that's my my drive yeah um, but also like for myself like it's something that I enjoy doing I really enjoy editing video I enjoy interviewing folks I enjoy going to these events and capture it on film right it's all self-love now that's something that makes me feel good man like just when you said that i felt i felt you 100 percent because maybe take back like maybe two years ago or not too long ago yeah i was like the most depressed motherfucker on social media i post like some emo ass shit i'm always posting stuff on instagram writing like essays almost right reflections but then i just like you i feel like you overcome this trauma or like this mental illness and then for some reason you kind of convert it into positive energy and you're like you know what fuck that like i'm gonna I know other people are going through shit like me, so I'm gonna take up the responsibility and then help them come up, you know? And that's important. 
that's how I saw it. Like, I was like, you know what? If I keep putting out negative energy and I keep showing people that, like, it's so almost like glorified to be depressed and anxiety and anxious, then people would just be like, oh, like, I don't like this guy's mm-hmm. energy or like, mm-hmm. like, this is all some sad shit. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then if you, you know, if you put out positive energy, you're actually helping people. Yeah. And I thought reflecting and talking about my sad shit was like, I thought that was helping people, yeah. but it was more or less just keeping people um, in that same bubble. Like, oh, I could, like, let's say, if you, like, Chris, like, if you were, like, depressed or something, right? And yeah. then and you write something, and I'm like, oh, I relate to Chris. But if you don't do anything about that, then we're just stuck in this bubble forever. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. I definitely agree, and that's also kind of why I also feel like, not just this platform, right, but, like, you know, in general everyone you know not just you know asians exclusively but like you know just everyone in general right needs some form of like medium to kind of express themselves right because it's through expression in your own art that you're able to kind of release certain energies right from your body right any any type of temptation or any type of like self-doubt or even like worry right or even traumas right get expressed through your art and it's through that art that kind of like carries wholeheartedly, right? Like you through this journey, right? Because you're able to see your traumas in like, what whether it's like a, a visual image, right? If you're a painter or a videographer or like um, an animator, or you're through lyrics and rhymes, if you're like, you know, if you're a spoken poet, or even just through like, you know, your own, if you're like an engineer, right? Or if you're like good into coding, right? You're making like some type of program right then you're able to see your traumas and your kind of self-doubts and everything that's kind of holding you back right there in front of you and i feel like that's a good way to kind of like get that anger sadness pain out of you right it's really something that's i feel like you know the younger generation and even those right that are our our age and older everyone in general like needs to understand that mm. it's like important yeah. to kind of yeah. express their own yeah their, express their own true self mm-hmm. yeah, they're right? going off that like with all this artwork out there make the younger generation like they might not get it yet but because it's already out there they can always tap back into it mm-hmm. to see it and yeah. I think that that like answers our question how do you future proof the generations uh, in front of us just have your artwork and and just work in general out there yeah. because um, you know by word of mouth like let's say you have a kid just say a couple of things about your history and then if they know the resources there I'm sure they'll tap into it mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah I, that's why I feel like it's important to tell our story um, yeah. like I don't really see many stories of like Cambodian American Cambodian American not Cambodians but like yeah. Cambodian Americans who grew up here and their struggle and how they over, overcome it uh, there's a lot of success story uh there's a, a, a doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Rahim, mm-hmm. uh, Imad Rahim. He, he uh, you know, he grew up in the Bronx and, um, and he went to like an all black school, like a majority black school. And like he, you know, was caught up in the wrong crowd, you yeah. know, went through some stuff and now, you know, overcame it and became a doctor. That's a great story. You know? That is actually a really uh, awesome he, story. Yeah, right. Like stories like that. Um, like you know like if he hasn't told it I wouldn't hear about it and because of knowing that someone went through the same stuff I went through it inspired me to keep going and and learning and educating folks Mm -hmm. um so like yeah I I feel like um you know like like Vincent was saying you know like we we document these stories and hopefully someone will stumble upon it and you know it's up to them to uh interpret it and use it to their like you know in the best way that they can right mm-hmm. um then and i i try to do that i i try to do that in like just day-to-day conversation and i mean it might come off as being cocky at time because you know some, when someone's always talking about themselves it's like yeah i did this and this and that mm-hmm. but i think like if you um tell it um like uh i guess uh without glamorizing your story right like people will pay attention people will listen yeah i definitely feel like if you're telling the story right to kind of just tell it 
right? That's mm. honestly, it's gonna give insight to who you really are, right? Mm. If you're telling a story that you know, like about like for instance, like your struggles and how you became who you are, right? And you're kind of like highlighting, you know, these struggles, right? And kind of like painting a picture where it's like, oh, I was this person that was all the way down here, right? And then I did this, this, and this, and then I came all the way up here, right? Mm. You're showboating it. Definitely, that's something that you know. Yeah. It's it's you're being cocky, right? Yeah. In a, in in, the, in those terms, but if you're just kind of trying to express yourself and just share your story, right, of where you were and where you are now, right, and kind of like your journey from start to finish, or not even finish, right, start to now, right, because it's you're it's not finished till you're finished, right, but start to now, it's like being humble about it right or kind of just showing them that you know hey I struggled too but I didn't take that as like you know a as a you know a pitfall of me right I took I took the what you call it like whatever endeavor you have right in front of you right and I just walked right through it right Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing right whether it's like going to a new job trying to find, you know, let's call it, like, a different school, trying to change your, pa- like, not passion, but, like, you know, change your degree, you know, and whatnot, just trying to pursue your own passion. It's daunting, right? No matter what, it's daunting. It's scary because you're doing something that you're not familiar with. And it's like, when you go do that, and then you walk out of it better than you were when you started. Hmm. That's when... And, and to our listeners, like, when we talk about this... When we tell you guys to share your stories, like be truthful too. Just like Johnny was saying, like don't glamorize it. You know, if you're truthful about it, then there. I feel like there's more value in that already. You know, or you're going back to like what um yeah uh, Victoria was saying in our previous podcast. Be your true self, mm-hmm. right? Authenticity. 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 Yes. Very important. <laughs> but yeah. You got any any questions? Um. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's wrap it up with okay, Johnny. How about what is your, I guess, number one dream and vision for what you want to do with Chicago Asian Network? Just like reiterate yeah. if you like. Yeah. So with Chicago Asian Network, um, I would like to see it move uh, as far as we can as a, a network. Like, and when we say network, we think of like TV station, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see Chicago Asian Network become that platform that we uh, like embrace you know like oh we are the, the sources and whatnot. but like I want to see it as like an actual TV station nationally so we can like share these stories or even talent um, like in the Asian community right just imagine like turning on a TV station and seeing like people like you people with similar stories uh, and things like that um and that's what I envision happening for Chicago Asian Network is having a TV station on a national level where we can, you know, share these stories. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in like the Saturday cartoon, morning cartoon era where I, you know, I turn on a TV, you see like commercials, uh, you see programs and I would like to see more stuff like Fresh Off the Boat on ABC, you know, like there's an Asian family and there's... I remember, you know, watching it, like, a lot of me and my friends were saying, like, yo, we went through that struggle, you know, growing up, you know, with the Lunchables, <laughs> right, Tiger Mom, and all that stuff, yeah. right, and, like, yeah. I would like to see more of that, you know. Um, Actually, what's that, ah, oh, crap, I'm, I'm, I feel so bad for forgetting, but I know Aquafina is doing a TV show. Is she? To- yes, with the title Aquafina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Wow. Yo, Aquafina, if you're listening, when are you coming on to our podcast, man? <laughs> Yo, hit us up when you're in Chicago. Yeah, hit us up. I wish. We, we got you. I wish. Uh, but yeah, I think we're in a time where Asian are really stepping up our game. Uh, you got like Crazy Rich Asian. Uh, but before that, uh, there's the Joy Luck Club, you know? Like that was like that the, was Asian, the American Asian American movie. Asian American yeah. movie. That was the yeah. Asian American movie. Yeah, people was like, Yo, and, you know, in all honesty, a lot of people like I don't mean it in a bad way but a lot of people like kind of use that as their baseline of what oh that's what an Asian American is supposed to be but in reality it's not 
you know yeah. it's like there's a, there's a lot more to the, than that yeah. you know yeah but a lot of us have our own struggles and our own yeah, yeah. but representation matters that's right you know? that's right <laughs> and overall like like ultimately like what we're all saying if no one else is gonna do it you know then we should do it we have the capability and there's a lot of potential in what we're doing um and uh it's all in, in the step in the right direction and i think we're all doing a great job you know doing what we're doing so other creatives out there who are listening like just keep doing you as chris said to be truthful authentic and you know just keep making good good shit you know for the community that's all that's what it's all about yeah community man yeah community um, and then Johnny do you have any shameless plugs you want to put out there uh, Instagram handles <laughs> yo uh, yeah uh, if you if you are interested more about my life uh, you can follow me at Kamai guy from the shy on Instagram and Kamai is another word for Cambodian so when I say Kamai a lot of people are confused it's like my guy from the shy no it's Kamai hmm. uh, it's K-H-M-E-R guy from the shy and that's another thing some people said Chi you know, but being from Chicago, C H I, we we say shy. Shy. Yeah, uh, shy. So come on, guy from the shy. Um, but also like follow Chicago Asian Network, uh, also on Instagram, um, and we also have like a website if you want to see more articles of uh, you know we where we highlight Asian uh, and age and the Asian community here in Chicago. Um, yeah, but I just say you know like you know tell your story whether it's um, through your social media or any other form of outlet uh, artistically or formally, uh, you know do it because no one else is gonna tell your story you know better than you do yeah. Yep. Um, and then one last time I should I'd always do this at the end of the podcast but we are on uh, Apple Podcast so hit us up there as well as follow us uh, follow us on Spotify and Instagram at the Eating Cast. That's T H E E A T I N G C A S T, the Eating Cast. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And thank you for dining with us. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Take care.